This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. with us. We welcome you. Thank you. Welcome to, to Church of the Harvest. Uh, we are just a, we're just a small group of, of Christ followers that uh, we've come together. We've recognized we're stronger together than we are individually. And so we've chosen to, uh, to link arms to accomplish God's purposes in the, uh, in the earth today. And uh, we do, we, we, meet in, we meet in small groups throughout the community, throughout the week, but we love Sundays when we're able to come together and to, uh, and to worship God together corporately. And as I said, we're just a small expression of the body of Christ. We love God, and because we love God, we love people, and uh, we serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. If you are part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through what? Community, discipleship, and outreach. As that is what we are all about. And so we've been, this year, we've been discussing, uh, we've been discussing our identity, the identity uh, and responsibility of, uh, of, of Christ followers, those in the family of God. We're talking about people who have uh, repented and, and, and turned and, and surrendered to the lordship of, uh, of Jesus with their life. And you guys know as well as I do, I, I know I say it all the time, our world is, our world is challenging, but we are not of this world as Christ followers. And we have the word of God, which never changes. We serve the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so no matter what happens in this life, we don't have to be shaken. We don't have to be moved. And how many of you are thankful for God's word that contains all the answers to every question, every doubt that we may ever have? The answers have been given to us. And we have the creator of the world, the creator of the universe walking with us day in and day out. And guys, I don't know a better news than that. So... As, uh, as, as, as Shauna said, um, our theme, I want our theme for the rest of the year to be expect the unexpected. And we're going to talk about that um, quite a bit. Uh, how many of you know that, how do you know that God has never done things the way that humanity expected? Isn't it true? That's why there's a lot of people out there that are so disappointed in God and, and reject God and reject the church because they have certain expectations and God doesn't meet those. He's... Very unexpected sometimes. Now, he always keeps his word, right? But many times we have expectations as to how and when that word will be manifested and accomplished. And because of that, sometimes we are very let down. But that's our fault. That's our problem, right? Those of you that, have been, uh, that are reading through the, the Bible with us here, those of you who are reading through the Chronological Life Application Bible know we just finished um, uh, a couple weeks ago the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, how many of you know the Jews had been waiting on the Messiah for a long time? Long time. But Jesus was very unexpected. Right? He was very unexpected. We started reading in the book of Acts last week. And it amazes me, once he, Jesus is even, he's, he's been, he, he's, he's died, he's been resurrected, he's done everything he's going to do. And in Acts chapter 1, we see him on the hillside with, with his disciples, his followers, right? And he's about to ascend into heaven. And he's saying his last words. And, and the disciples jump in, one of them jumps in. If you notice, right there at the beginning of chapter 1, they say, excuse me, Jesus, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah, what's up? They said, so now is it time? Now are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? Now are you going to sit back on the throne of your father, David? And Jesus is going, hold on, guys. Hold on. You, you, you still don't get it. He's going, I've done everything I came to do, 
And I've equipped you with everything you need to do to accomplish the next steps in the plan. Right? They still didn't get it. They still expected him to overthrow Rome and to march into Jerusalem and sit on the throne of his grandfather David. That day will come. Right? Hasn't happened yet. There's work to be done. Right? We have certain expectations of God. And it's funny, with that in mind, even today, many people are reading the signs of the times and reading a lot of things. Yes, guys, I believe it is the end times. I do. But I think that with every event that happens, many people are reading into these things through their own expectations, their own uh, perspectives, through the voices that they're listening to, and making all kinds of conclusions as to what's about to happen. Here's what I would say to you. Be ready, because we serve the God of the unexpected. He will accomplish his word, but very often God does not move in the way we thought he would or in the time that we thought he would. He tells us what he's going to do, but because of our preconceived notions sometimes, his actions tend to be unexpected. It's pretty widely widely believed that the apostles fully expected Jesus to come back in their lifetime. Imagine when they died. They were like, well, this is unexpected, right? And then their children, I imagine, expected Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. Well, this is unexpected, right? There's work to be done. We serve the God of the unexpected. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about Christmas. We're going to talk about Advent, the first coming of Jesus, um, born as a baby, born of the Virgin Mary, and, and, and what that meant um, to the world, but as we prepare to celebrate Christmas and the, the, the greatest gift that God has ever given mankind, um, as Pastor Shauna said, we want to prepare to give our annual Christmas gift offering as we always do. And so with that, I want to kind of, I'm, I'm kind of starting this series a couple weeks early, and so I'm subtitling this, we're, like I said, we're going to talk about Christmas here in a few weeks, but I'm subtitling this, the beginning of this, Giving with Expectation. And that's what I want us to talk about just a little bit. Now, with this in mind, we need to talk about, we need to look at this from the perspective of us as believers and how we view God. Because how many of you know that in ancient times, I, I don't know how many of you, how many, any of you ever studied ancient mythology at all? You know anything about ancient mythology, ancient Roman and Greek gods and, and you know, and all those kind of things. Um, you know, ancient, the ancient Roman and Greek gods, they, they, were, they were very selfish, they serve their own wants and needs and desires. And they force humanity to, to do whatever they wanted them, whatever they wanted. Does that make sense? So in ancient times, as the early church is birthed, they're witnessing the people who were serving these selfish gods that were self-consumed. So as the good news of Jesus is spreading... People are coming face to face with the one true God, and it's, his nature was totally unexpected because he was selfless. And this may have even been hard for them to accept at times because all they had known is these selfish, self-consumed gods. Probably didn't compute. So today, I just want to start this off, and I want to talk for a few minutes about the ridiculous, preposterous, outlandish, absolutely absurd generosity of our God. Because that is who he is, and that is his nature. 
And the funny thing is, you know, we talk about generosity, people automatically, you hear this, people automatically go, oh, church is talking about money. And, and some people get nervous and some people just shut down. And People don't like it when you start talking about this kind of thing. And, you know, the funny thing is you start a series like this and sometimes church attendance starts to drop a little bit and some people are going, I already, I already know this. I, I, I got this. The reality is anybody who feels that way is really deceived and has bought into a lie. Because if we understood, if we understood and had the proper perspective of the heart of our Father, this would excite us. Yeah. It wouldn't make us nervous. It wouldn't turn us off. It wouldn't make us run. In reality, here's the deal, guys. Generosity plays a major role in our involvement and in what God has called us to in the body of Christ. We all talk, we talk about, you know, our purpose, part of our vision is to fill our God-given purpose in life, right? We all want that, right? Thing is, it's generally fulfilled through generosity. And I'm not just talking about money here, okay? It's fulfilled through generosity. And when you think about that, it's absolutely crazy what we are permitted to be a part of when we learn generosity and obedience. It's incredible what we get to be a part of. When we catch this, it forever changes our perspective and the way that we live our lives. We have to learn generosity. So I'm going to spend most of today in Matthew 21, and you probably don't even need to turn anywhere else. So if you have a Bible on you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 21. It'll be on the screen. You can also uh, scan that QR code on the seat in front of you. You can use the YouVersion Bible app, and, uh, and you can see the notes right there on your screen, and, and you can follow along with us from there. But in Matthew 21, I want to read verses 1 through 11, and, uh, and I'm going to be mainly in the English Standard Version today, so if you want to just um, follow along with me, that'd be great. And then let's just, I just want to read that whole section of Scripture, just bear with me for a minute, verses 1 through 11. And, and let me tell you that, you know, as we talk about this, this is really the story, how many of you have heard of A Tale of Two Cities? Charles Dickens, right? Well, today we're going to talk about The Tale of Two Donkeys, okay? Tale of Two Donkeys about a mother donkey and her colt. How many of you know that sometimes we have a lot in common with donkeys? Really, this is the story of the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, right? On the first day of the last week of his life. And so, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into that village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will, at one, he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, the prophet Zechariah, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and Jesus sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the roads, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. And the crowds then went before him, and those that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he returned to Jerusalem, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? 
And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Guys, Jesus is about to do the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of the earth. He's about, he's about to give his life and redeem mankind, right? And that's, that's why he's coming to Jerusalem. He's, he's actually delivering himself over to be arrested and executed. So they make it to the Mount of Olives, and he says to these two disciples, go on in, head into that village. The first thing you're going to find is a donkey and a colt. Untie them, bring them to me. I need them. I got four points for you. Number one. Number one, when it comes to generosity, God asks us for something. God asks us for something. Now, think about that for just a moment. God asks us for something. Why in the world would God ask us for anything? What in the world do you have to offer? What do I have to offer? It's mind-boggling. Let me read you a couple scriptures real quick. You can just listen to this. I just looked up real quick. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is ever, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And he asks you for something. Job 26, verses 13 to 14. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hands pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. This is just a little taste of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him? Everything we know of God, it's just the smallest whisper. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? And he asks you and me for something. Psalm 147, verse 5, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Why in the world would this God ask me for anything? Doesn't make any sense. Because here's the deal. Guys, you guys believe Jesus is who he says he is? Then if the Lord needed a donkey... Could he not have just said, donkey, and there it was? Bam, it'd been done. No going into town, having to deal with the dude who, you know, owned them, you know. They, imagine being disciples, being nervous going in, we're just going to untie it and hope nobody says anything. And if they do, you know, he could have just, bam, made it appear right in front of them. Been done with it all. I have made donkey, Right? If God wants to build a church in Africa, he can speak it, and it appears. But he asks you for something. The fact that God comes to people, people he has made, to ask for things that he has given, seems preposterous. Psalm 24, verse 1, and the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. (laughs) Why would he ask us for anything? When we talk about giving, we talk about finances and giving in the church. Maybe the Lord's been speaking to you. 
Maybe the Lord's saying, you know what, it's time for you to begin to tithe. It's time for you to begin to give offerings or become a progressive giver, these different things that, you know, that we do, giving above your tithe. And you may be new to harvest. You're sitting here going, man, they're asking for this, and I think maybe the Lord has moved my heart, but I, I, don't, I don't know where all my dollars are going to go. And, and, and I, don't, I, I don't know of all the ministries that are supported by this church family. I don't know what this ministry school is preaching and teaching. But I think maybe God's moving on my heart to do this. Here's the thing, guys. I, you know, actually understand this. I'm not saying to give carelessly, right? I, I do not give to an organization you know that is, is not handling finances properly and, and different things like that. You, you, you need to, you know, seek God on that kind of thing. But, but I'd also say this. What if you gave to a ministry you gave to a church, you gave to a missions foundation, you later found out that the funds were not handled properly. Does God bless you any less? <laughs> you were right the second time, Ed. God doesn't bless you any less. And here's what I want you to understand. My point is, when God speaks to us, we should be quick to obey. And we don't have to have all the information because we never will. Have you recognized that yet? You don't have to try and figure it all out. We simply choose to obey and to be generous. But it's still crazy to me that God would ask us for things. You think, so in this, God is calling us to be generous. So God, you are asking me for money that belongs to you to give it to you so that you could do something that you could have completely, totally done without me or anything I have to offer. And God says, yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. The fact that God comes to us to borrow something that belongs to him in the first place is amazing. To the disciples, he could have said, hey, there's some donkeys in that town in front of us and they belong to me. Go get them. Just go grab them. And bring them to me. No. They went and untied them and they told the man, the Lord has need of them. And obviously the man let them go. The man permitted, right? He yielded. He gave of those donkeys. He said, tell them the Lord needs them. He wanted the guy to willingly give. You guys, Jesus needed a donkey and a colt but how many of you recognize he was going into he, he was going to come in there was going to be a little parade coming into Jerusalem right he could have flown in on Air Force One if he wanted to that would have been a spectacle do a low pass over town but it's like they all follow and he opens the door and bam here I am right could have he could have flown on the backs of angels if he'd wanted to and landed right in the middle of the crowd and made his way, but he didn't. He chose to ride on a donkey, as Zechariah had been prophesied, the back of a beast of burden. And I was thinking about that. You know, if Jesus was willing to ride on the back of a donkey, maybe we need to come down off our high horse sometimes. He came riding in real low to be lifted high. 
We need to follow his example of meekness and humility because that's the way of the kingdom, right? It's crazy to think that God needs anything from us. So when it comes to generosity, God asks us for something. Number two, Jesus comes in. He rides in on the generosity of his people. So as I said, Jesus could have come into town by any means that he had ever desired. But he says, look, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to come into town to do the greatest thing that has ever been done. I'm going to ride in on the generosity of a guy who owns a couple of donkeys. That's how the king of kings comes in. And guys, I would argue that's how Jesus comes in today. That's how Jesus rides into Olive Branch, Mississippi, Memphis, Tennessee, the remotest parts of the earth, Africa, Asia. That's how Jesus rides in on the back of the generosity of ordinary people. And here's a cool thing I thought about too. He didn't say go into town and you're going to find a yellow Lamborghini. I want you to tell the guy that the Lord needs it. <laughs> he just needed a donkey. You don't need to have lots of stuff. You don't need to be rich and affluent to be generous. How many of you know Jesus doesn't usually just appear to people and say, I am Lord, receive me? It's not generally how it works. He doesn't generally just arrive into cities on his own. He comes in on the generosity and the surrender of his people. It's nuts. It's crazy. He could have come in with all the pomp and circumstance that he absolutely wanted to. But instead, he rode a guy's donkey into town. And when he came in on that donkey, here's the thing. He rode in on a donkey, guys. And what happened? What is the result? It said the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is this man? Guys, a donkey owner set off a tsunami in that city, ushering in Jesus. It could be argued that he helped kick off the biggest event in the history of the world. All because of his generosity. He said yes to the Lord. And when Jesus came in on the back of generosity, the whole city was stirred. And I, I think this is how God thinks. When he thinks of our city, he, wants, he, he doesn't want anybody to perish, right? He wants our whole city to know, our whole region. He wants the whole U.S. He wants the whole world. And I think that's how he looks at things. He wants this region stirred for Jesus just like Jerusalem was that day. He wants it stirred to the point that people are saying, who is this Jesus? How will that happen? How's this region going to be stirred? What's it going to take for people to be stirred and say, who is this Jesus? Is it going to be good preaching? Helps a little bit, I suppose. A church service? Hmm. Guys, it's going to happen through the generosity and the surrender of God's people. That's how Jesus rides in. Through being a witness when we say yes to the Lord. That's how Jesus comes in on the scene. And the fact that he is willing to ride into town on our generosity is crazy. 
So when God comes in, I'm sorry, when it comes to generosity, God asks us for something. Jesus rides on the generosity of his people. Third thing I want to mention here is your generosity writes you into God's story. Your generosity writes you into God's story. Now, as human beings, we, we don't receive Jesus when we don't do what we were created to do. We write ourselves out of the story and what God wants. Through generosity, we're written into the story and the plan of what God is doing. So thus, because of this, we have some guy who simply owned a donkey that made it into the Gospels. We don't even know his stinking name, right? But he's been talked about for 2,000 years, and he's in movies and in Easter pageants and all kinds of things. We don't even know his stinking name. But he made his mark on history, right? Now, I'm not in the, in, in the, I'm not in the Gospels. I'm not written in the Gospels, and you're not written about in the Gospels. But we could have been if we'd been willing to say yes and untie our donkey and give it to the Lord when he asked for it, right? And I think that it's really, it's those little acts of obedience in our lives Little acts of obedience to God's, God's prompting, God's commands that writes us into the story of what he's doing in the earth. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part. And it's crazy that the God of the ages, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, he chooses to allow us to be a part. You guys remember the story of the widow's mite? We don't even know who she was, but she's in the story, isn't she? Why? Because she gave to the Lord. An amount that the world said was tiny and insignificant. And she's been talked about for 2,000 years. Remember the story of the unnamed kid with, with five loaves and two fish? We don't know his name. But he's been talked about for 2,000 years because he said yes to the Lord when the Lord asked. There's lots of people that are written into the story of God's plan for the earth, but it's because of their obedience and their generosity. I was thinking about the only reason, the only reason we know the name Joseph of Arimathea is because he gave a tomb to Jesus when Jesus needed one, right? And he was written into the story. God invites people he loves to be a part of his plan and what he is doing in the earth. We don't get written in because we're just that important, right? We're written in because we make ourselves available to him. We're written in because we choose to be generous and we choose to be obedient. And that's when we begin to make a real difference in our world. And again, it's crazy that we get the opportunity to even be a part of that in the first place. And, you know, we were reading in Matthew chapter 21 a minute ago, um, it, it says that Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy, and it quoted a little part of that. I'm going to read that to you real quick, Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Guys, this was written by Zechariah. This was a prophecy in 500 B.C. So one day in 500 B.C., God says, 
this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. And one man's generosity is going to help me fulfill my purpose for mankind. A donkey owner. Right? Guys, we don't know anything about this guy. That could have been the only donkeys he had. Could have been all he owned. Your wealth many times was, was your animals and what you had during, in that time. We don't know, but he said yes to Jesus. You know, I wonder, I think about the great things that God has planned, the great things that he's going to do in this region, the great things he's going to do still in the United States, guys. I mean, you know, God's not done. <laughs> he's but just getting started. There are great things coming. Great things he has planned for the earth. Things that he has had planned since before the foundations of the earth. And it's going to be fulfilled because of my generosity and because of your generosity. Because of our obedience to him. And we'll be written into the story of God's plan and purposes. When we say yes to God, we are woven into the story. And how many of you know that many times the things that we do, we, we don't, sometimes we don't see the fruit of it. The repercussions of of the generous acts that we commit. A lot of times we don't see it. But how do you know that it will bear fruit? Right? It will make a difference. You know, when Sean or I feel led to give to, I don't know, a ministry or a church or a person or family, an organization, whatever it may be, um, we always run it by each other because that's a respectful thing to do and make sure that we have a piece about it, right? But guys, I've learned that we aren't to hold on too tightly to what God has given us. So if the Lord moves on my wife's heart and says, I feel like, and, and she says, I feel like the Lord is telling me we need to bless this person. We need to give this. Guys, if I don't have a check inside, I don't even stop and pray about it. If she came to me and said, we're giving away our house, I'd be like, hold up. Let's, let's pray just a second. We need a place to stay tonight. But, but for real, I, you know, I, I think I've mentioned before, you know, it's happened on numerous occasions, actually. We had one time where, you know, she turned around a moment and told me, I, I feel like I'm supposed to give that person right there $1,000. I was like, we didn't have that in checking, guys. I was like, what? But I didn't feel a check inside about it. And I said, let's do it. I remember, actually, just last week, we were in a restaurant, and we were in a little diner, and there was like four people working, and the place was slammed, and waited like an hour on food, and, and our waitress was getting increasingly frustrated and upset, and we were watching this happen, and the couple over here is throwing a fit and getting loud, and, and you know, and it, it's just, it, it, it was a little bit of a mess, and we we're feeling really bad for this waitress, right? And some would have said we didn't get the greatest service. She was, she did pretty, she did as best she could. She really did. And she, we didn't have time to talk to her. I would have loved to have, but I mean, she just, she just going the whole time. She, we asked for the check and she, okay. And I had to ask her for it again. And, oh, I forgot. And, and she brought it and I gave her the card. And, and, and Sean was like, she makes me want to cry for her. She, and she said, I have a $20 bill in my pocket. Probably about the price of the meal. And I said, give it to her. Let's do it. And she didn't even have time to see it as she walked by. I, I just held it out, and I, I said, you're doing good. And she walked by, and she said, thanks, and, and took it and kept going. And, and she, it was folded up. She didn't know what it was. But 
What a blessing that will be to her later on. Who knows how God will, how God will use that. We had a time where we were about to sell a car, and the Lord told us to give it away instead of getting the money for it. And Guys, I, I, most of you all know my heart. I'm not boasting in the slightest. I'm just saying that I know that when we're generous and we don't hold on to too, tight, too tightly to what God has given us, he's going to take care of us. And I don't know how God went on to use those instances or the other instances where, you know, we have tried to be obedient and generous. But I know that what we gave is going to be much more fruitful in his hands than it is in ours. So we say, Lord, it's yours. Take it. And I know it will bear much fruit. And through it, we're added to God's plan for what he's doing in the earth today. We've got to learn generosity. So when it comes to generosity, God asks us for something. Jesus rides in on the generosity of his people. Your generosity writes you into God's story. And the last thing I want to mention is, in generosity, you will receive back more than you give. You receive back more than they gave. Now, here's the thing. We don't like to talk about this part sometimes. Because we feel like, you know what? If my motives are right, then that's not going to be my reason for giving because I'm going to get something in return. Right? Amen to that. We give first because we love him and we obey him. Right? However, <laughs> the Bible says a few things here, and I'm thankful for it. In reality, if in a heart of generosity and kindness you give anything to God, you will get it back. You will. The Bible says it, and you will get it back with incredible increase. He promises it. You, you sow, and you will what? Reap and Reap and reap and reap. How many of you know you reap a lot more than you sow? I guarantee you, the dude got his donkeys back. Guarantee you. They didn't crucify the donkeys, right? You rode on Jesus. Jesus rode on you, sorry. That would have been a sight to see. Imagine that in a children's book drawing. Um, I have a feeling, and that, guys, this is not in the Bible, so this is just me. I'll bet you that guy was following Jesus. I mean, they said to tell him the Lord needs them. This dude obviously knew who the Lord was. We're not talking about the Father in the sky. We're talking about the God-man, Jesus. I, I think he followed him. I'll bet he was following along, shouting Hosanna. And I'll bet, in thinking about this, they were at the Mount of Olives, and that's a very, that's a short walk to the Temple Mount. I don't imagine that took long. I, I mean, it was slow going, people dropping their cloaks and, and, and the branches and all that kind of thing, but it probably didn't take an hour. I'll bet Jesus got off, and I'll bet those reins were put right back in that guy's hands. And how he was blessed that day. He probably went back home and tied them right back up where they were. Imagine what he went in and told his wife. He won't believe what happened today. You won't believe it. The Lord, Jesus, he wanted big donkey and little donkey. And he rode them into town. Crowds followed and shouting and singing and cloaks and branches and, you know, all this stuff. And 
little donkey and big donkey were in the middle of it all. They were in the thick of it, right? I'm confident he got his donkeys back. And if he didn't, I'm more than confident that he was blessed beyond measure. Love to know the rest of that guy's story. You get back what you give. Maybe, maybe giving 100 bucks to somebody going on a missions trip is a huge step for you. But let me tell you, you're going to get it back. You're going to get it back. You're almost not even giving something away. You're, you're, you're investing. You're sowing. Through your obedience, you're opening up a door by which you're going to get blessed so much more. Remember the church that Sean and I were part of in Illinois, we did a building project and we had a guy, uh, we had somebody that actually all in once in one moment gave a $100,000 gift. I mean, <laughs> wow. Awesome. But here's the thing, guys. It doesn't matter how big or how small the gift is when we give generously. Because like that couple that gave, they gave to God part of what God had entrusted to them so that he could do something that he could have done without them. So that they could be blessed, to be a blessing. So that they could be written into God's purposes in the earth. And they would not only get back more in this life and be able to be more of a blessing than they've ever been before, but they would also store up treasure in heaven. Guys, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the best investment plan ever. Ever. This should make you a little more free. We should not get anxious when it comes to our finances, when it comes to what we have, when it comes to being generous. We shouldn't get anxious. In closing, um, many of you know that um, I have a, a small business and um, I, do, um, I do quite a bit of work for um, some wealthy people, extremely wealthy people, people with hundreds of millions of dollars, some billionaires. Um, that I have that are um, clients, customers. And um, it's a whole nother world. It, it, was, it was crazy at first. A, a month or two ago, I, I spent a little time with a guy that I've, I've known for a few years now that, that, that won the lottery. Some of you may remember four years ago, won the biggest jackpot in history. And he uh, it split three ways, but he took a lump sum and walked away with $500 million. A little guy who lived in Atoka. His life changed just a little bit, right? I got a number of people I work for that, that have private jets. I know of one that has no problem. He's tired and worn out on, set, on, on Friday at work. He'll call around lunchtime. He'll call his pilot and say, fire up the jet. We're heading to the beach house for the weekend. I'm like, that must be nice. <laughs> wow. Dead gum, right? I had a, an NBA player that some of you guys would know that uh, we, we did a theater room for him. I mean, he literally spent about a quarter of a million dollars on his theater room, motion simulator chairs and all this stuff. He, he, he spent almost 50,000 bucks on his projector for this theater room. And three months later, after he got this projector put in, I walked into his house, walked into his theater room, and we're talking, and he goes, man, that is the best, the best picture I've ever seen. We're loving it. They're playing video games on us, what they're doing. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, he goes, yeah, man, I'm loving that projector. It's great. He goes, I guess it's top of the line, the best thing out there. I said, yeah. I said, they, they're just releasing a couple new things. I think the lasers were just coming out, a new laser 3D thing. They, they're just releasing and coming out. And he goes, man, I got to get one of those. And I said, I said, well, we'll keep you updated on it. He goes, no, I want one now. I'm like, 
bro, you just spent a quarter million dollars on this theater room and almost 50000 on this projector. And, and he goes, oh, I want one now. And he, I said, bro, I, it's, it's just coming out, and it, it's, it's about 75000 bucks. And he goes, we'll transfer the money today. And I was like, I, I'm just, I, I just can't even comprehend. I'm, I'm going, <laughs> my goodness. But guys, if this was your parents, what if this was your family that was in this kind of shape? Do you think you would ever worry about the price of dinner? Oh, I'm not going to get that steak. It's $45. Mm. Oh, gosh. You think you'd ever do that? Nope. You think you'd ever worry about whether you had enough gas to get home? If you could afford the gas to get home? Do you think you'd ever worry about whether you had enough to be generous and bless somebody? Well, then why are we afraid to be generous and let things go ourselves? Because I don't know if you know this, but as a Christ follower, everywhere you go, the God of the universe is with you and he just happens to be your father. Right? He has heaps of money and heaps of grace and heaps of abundance and ability, heaps of whatever it is that you may need in this life. He has tons of it. And the Bible says, and, and here's the thing, guys. I'm not talking about buying lots of houses and cars and Louis Vuitton bags and whatever else. Okay? I'm not talking about that. We have got to invest in the eternal. We can't hesitate to be generous. Give towards something that is going to change the world. Begin to invest in people. Just do it. You don't have to stop and pray about whether you should be generous. God wants you to be generous, right? By the way, again, we are part of the family. And as we said, all the earth is his and everything in it. And that is our inheritance as his kids. He says, I am yours and you are mine, right? What is mine is yours. God is telling us, be generous. Yes, you absolutely start by giving your tithe to the Lord. Absolutely, guys. The, tithe, the word tithe means tenth. People say, well, that's an Old Testament concept. No, Jesus said it. It's not focused on in the New Testament because it was assumed that it would continue. But he affirms it. He said, yes, you should tithe. Yes. But the reality is the tithe is just the beginning. It just opens the door to the blessing God has for you in your life. You have to learn this, and you have to learn to be generous. And then you go beyond that, way beyond that. Yeah, absolutely, give offerings. But guys, bless those around you in need. Bless those that serve you. Support those around you, that support others in what God has called them to do. You, man, you're going to reach some serious blessing. Buy a candy bar from the kid walking door to door in your neighborhood trying to raise money. Do it. Why not? Well, I don't know if it's legit. I don't know if it, God's going to bless you. Give. Bless. Bless that homeless person. Give away things you no longer need. Become known as a generous person. How many would love that at your memorial service in the end that somebody stands up and says, he was the most generous person I'd ever met. Is there much better things that could be said about you? 
you are not going to lose. You cannot lose being generous. And if you do that, you know what will happen? You'll also become known as one of the blessed people that anyone has ever met. Because God will take care of you. He can trust you to be a blessing. He'll trust you with more. Amen? When it comes to generosity, God asks us for something. Jesus rides in on the generosity of his people. Your generosity writes you into the story, into God's story, what he's doing in the earth. And in generosity, you will receive back more than you gave. Be a generous person. Let it start this Christmas season as we go into the holidays, as we reflect in the coming weeks on the gift of Jesus to the earth, to mankind. Make the decision that you're going to be a generous person. You're going to quit worrying about what you have or don't have. You're going to be a blessing to the people around you. Amen? Y'all stand up on your feet. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we close. And I do want you guys to be praying. We are, uh, like I say, um, our Christmas gift offering, we didn't spend much time mentioned, talking about that today. But uh, guys, I think it is, is it already on the website? Already available? It's already available. If you, uh, if you give online, begin giving toward the, um, toward the Christmas gift offering. And knowing that uh, we use that to build up our, um, our benevolence fund um, uh, each year. The last two years, that has been huge. That has been a blessing. And many of you have been blessed because of that, because of what everyone has given, uh, because, you know, things have happened over the last couple of years. Some of you lost jobs and had hours cut and all kinds of different things. And, and guys, that's what family's for. We're here to help hold each other up and help support one another. And uh, we, need, we need one another, right? And so begin praying about that. We're going we're gonna to give some toward our, um, our single mothers, our single parents. Sorry, there are single fathers as well. And, um, and uh, that we do each Christmas to help them uh, with Christmas gifts and special things they do uh, for their kids uh, during the Christmas season and that kind of thing. And, and also we'll have some that will go toward the... Um, toward the uh, maintenance and things uh, here at the church. Guys, we want to be, I, I, am, I am believing and looking forward to today that Church of the Harvest is absolutely debt-free because we're going to be able to be more of a blessing than we've ever been before. And so guys, I ask you to step up and be generous. We serve the most outlandishly generous God and we were created in his image to be just like him. So give, guys. Give to the church. Give to the people around you. Give to those in need. Be a blessing. Goodness. <laughs> Something flying around here. So, let's bow our heads for just a moment. Everybody bow your heads across this place if you would. If you don't know Jesus, that means you have not received the generosity of God. He is offering you a free gift that changes everything. Your life will never be the same if you receive from the generosity of God and say yes to the Lordship of Jesus. Everything changes. Guys, this isn't a, this isn't a, a one-time thing that you don't just say yes to Jesus today. You're saying yes to Jesus forever. For the rest of my life, Jesus, I will follow you. I will serve you all the days of my life. No turning back. You turn from your old life and your old ways. You turn from all those things that don't please him. You repent of those things and you move forward with him. And you choose that you're gonna share 
what he has given to you. Love, forgiveness, peace, joy, the good news of the saving grace of Jesus. You get the opportunity to share that with others around you as well. If you haven't received the generosity of our Father, with every head bowed, if you would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus, if you would lift your hand. Anybody in here that say, I need to surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus today. Okay. You may be watching online and you would say yes to that. We're going to pray a prayer and you, you can follow along with me. You can say it in your own words, whatever you want to do. But the, the big thing here is you've got to mean this with all your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. You believe that God raised him from the dead. You repent of your sin and you choose to follow him. It's no little decision, but it's the most important decision you'll ever make. It's all between you and God. As we pray this, say it to him. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your generosity. I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. I'm utterly lost and alone without him. I'm utterly bankrupt and without hope. But because of Jesus, I know all things can be made new. So just tell him, say, Lord, today I repent of my sin. I turn from it. I place it at the feet of Jesus, and I turn away from it. Jesus, I declare that you are Lord. I believe that you gave your life in my place. Because of your sinless life, death could not hold you. You paid the penalty for my sin, and you took it to the grave. And now my debt is paid in full. You're my Lord, my Savior, my Master, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, as we conclude, we're going to have our prayer partners up here. And if you prayed that prayer and you're here in person, we invite you to come down and, and talk to one of them and tell them, let them know, let them pray with you, give you some next steps. If you need a Bible, get a Bible. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come get filled with the Holy Spirit. Whatever need you may have in your life, we encourage you to come down and talk to one of our prayer partners here in just a moment. We also ask you, if you didn't already, to please fill out your connection card. And that, that is, if you're watching on the live stream, it is, it is on the feed there. You can see it and follow that if you haven't done that already. And even if you have, please fill it out. There, there's a place on there to mark, I gave my life to Christ. I rededicated my life. I want to be water baptized. Please take advantage of that. But the rest of us, let's just, let's just pray for just a moment. Lord. I thank you for your generosity. Gosh, God, you're so generous. It, it, just, it just seems absolutely absurd to the world. But we're so thankful. You're such a selfless God, such a good father. Lord, you've forgiven us of so much. And you've called us your very own. And, and, and you, you, you've made us part of your family. And you've, you've, you've made us join heirs with Jesus. And, 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 and Lord, everything you have is our inheritance. 
So Lord, we choose to be generous. To be quick to give, not to try to figure everything out and be so analytical. I know sometimes where people come to us and we're trying to figure it out and whether they're whether it's legit and whether it's that and whether it's this and then Lord help us to soften our hearts. That we would say yes. That people would see your heart of love and generosity within us. That we wouldn't hold on too tightly to anything because we know that you've you're the one that's given it to us. You're the one that's entrusted it unto us. If you ask for it, Lord, it is, it is yours. We're quick to give. Pray, Lord, as we go into this holiday season, that we truly will remember the reason for the season and that we'll let it transform our lives that it won't just be another Christmas story. It'll be an illustration for what you want to see in us and through us. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.